we're going to talk about the kingdom of God for three weeks. I don't know if you know this, but literally in the New Testament, kingdom of God is some like 132 times you hear kingdom or kingdom of God. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not as much in John, but a little bit in John, you're going to hear the kingdom of God 53 times. Just in those ones alone. 50 of those times, Jesus is saying kingdom of God. There's another 33 different times in Matthew where he says kingdom of heaven. And it's synonymous. Now he wrote to Jewish people and God saying Yahweh was for them, they had made a rule, you can't say his name because it's too holy and too amazing. And they added, that was an add-on, that was an extra. They wanted to honor God, which is cool, but they added some rules, like don't say his name. And so he would say kingdom of heaven, and again, synonymous with kingdom of God. But I want to ask you guys, just really quick, before we get going too much further, what is the kingdom of God? Right relationship with God. Thanks, Darcy. Anybody else? What's the kingdom of God? Life ruled by his leadership. Good. Thank you. Very good. Thanks, Leslie. Were we created to be a part of his kingdom? Is that a question or is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> Were we created to be a part of his kingdom? Right relationship, his rule? I'd say yeah. Are we just because we're in America, we're just immediately in the kingdom of God? Because surely the kingdom of God looks like America. No? Some of you said no. Some of you said America. <laughs> That's like amen, but... Because we're going to look at it, we're going to look at what it is, and a little bit about what it isn't over the course of the next few weeks, and it's only going to be three weeks that we look at this. We're going to look at where is his kingdom also. We'll look at that a bit today. And who's in his kingdom? And how do we live in his kingdom? And so I don't know where you're at with this whole idea of kingdom. We live in America, so we don't really have kings. We have political parties and leadership there. We obviously have a president. We have uh, people in our lives that we look up to, people that we acknowledge as leaders. But I love the idea of kingdom. It's that word king and then dumb. And some of us are go, oh, I see. He's going to make some jokes. <laughs> Not this time. It's really pronounced dom, but we say kingdom. You know what that word dom is short for? Dominion. Yeah, dominion. There's all kinds of different things that we put that word dom to, but I'll just say this. A kingdom is where a king rules and reigns. And it's also his realm. But today we're going to unpack it in some pretty significant and fairly quick ways. Let's go right to, if we're going with what Jesus said, we should go right to what he said first. Well, 
I'm going to actually go to Psalms first. We're going to go to Psalm 103, 19. Some of you spend times throughout the year reading through the Bible, and some of you read a psalm a day to keep the devil away, or whatever. I don't know how you guys do it. But maybe you've read this one. It's Psalm 103, 19. The Lord, and I, in my translation, it's got this all caps, L-O-R-D, which means Yahweh. So the Most High, God himself, has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Who does it rule over? What does it rule over? Does it look like that? Kind of. He's got a universal reign. So what's the kingdom of God? Well, it's in the heavens, and we sang a little bit about that, and then it's over all. But getting to what Jesus said, he said something about the kingdom a couple of different ways. I love how it says it in Mark 1.15. So if you join me there, we'll see what Jesus said about his kingdom. What is it? Where is it? We're looking at it right here, right now. Now this is after John the Baptist, his cousin or relative. People just want to debate about who's who on that. I mean, their mothers were cousins. And then that makes them somehow second room. Somebody can explain it to me later. But they're related. But he got arrested. And Jesus came into Galilee, kind of his hometown, proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand or is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. You guys, this is a weird context for him to say, hey, the kingdom's here. The Jewish people, like you and I, did not like to be told what to do. They had somebody controlling them. Do you remember who the somebody is? It was Rome. And they didn't want, they're nobody's vassal state. And yes, they totally were. They were absolutely being dominated by Rome. But they said, we only have one God, and it's Yahweh. And so Jesus shows up on the scene, God in the flesh, and he says, the kingdom is here at hand. But they were hoping that it was going to happen all at once, and Rome would be defeated. And they're being reminded that Rome is not only not defeated, but their own Jewish people had incarcerated Somebody they thought might be the savior of the world. John the Baptist. He preached with authority. He got in the face of the authorities and he told them there's one kingdom. But he also said, I'm not the king. I came as a forerunner for the king. And Jesus says right in the middle of all that, hey, the kingdom is here. Repent and believe in the gospel. I want to remind you what repentance is. Repentance is changing your mind. Repentance is changing your direction. Repentance is looking in a different way at things. And Jesus is like, the kingdom's here. And many of them would have been, oh yeah? How's that? Some of you are like, look, I'll come to Jesus, 
but I want all these strongholds to go away. I want my bills to be paid. I don't want to be a chump anymore. I don't want her to be a chump anymore. Oh, Lord, help me grow hair if your kingdom is right here. Let me get my list of things. Joe, that hit hard, didn't it? Just a little bit. I saw your face. Come on, man. You and me, we're there. But you guys, we have this idea that this is what the kingdom will look like. Well, he's challenging them that in the midst of all of what's happening, the kingdom is here. Friends, he was not just referring to some kind of authority structure. Was not just talking about, hey, look, it's going to be where this guy's in charge, and then she's under there, and he's here, and then, boop. He's like, the kingdom is here. More on that in a minute. But this idea of repenting means that you and I have to acknowledge there's a king, and friend, you're not it. Some of you are like, yeah, because I'm a queen. Yes, queen, right? Uh-uh. That includes the ladies, too. So Jesus gets arrested. Again, many, many people thought no way could he be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He talked about the kingdom. He brought the kingdom in. He even said at one point, if all these things are being done in a way that can't be explained, it's got to be the finger of God that's bringing the kingdom of God. And they saw some of that, but then he got arrested. No way. He must not be the king. I guess we'll have to look for somebody else. Even John the Baptist in prison said, hey, will you go and see if he's the savior, the king, the delivering, redeeming one, or should we be looking for somebody else? I don't know all of what was going on in John's mind. Some people think he was just trying to get his disciples to learn a lesson. I believe that he was wondering and starting to doubt, just like you and me. And so he was called to repent just like all of us. But in John 18, there's this governor. His name is Pontius Pilate. And his wife has had a dream and Jesus has been arrested and they bring Jesus, the authorities, the religious authorities, the Jewish authorities, bring Jesus to Pontius Pilate and they're like, hey, we need him to die. He's like, no, you guys judge him yourself. Nobody's killing him today. And they're like, no, we need him to die. So we're going to pick this up in John 18, 33 through 38. A little conversation between Jesus and Pontius Pilate. A Roman authority. Jesus, being the king of kings, could have just killed him with a word. He says, I could call down a legion of angels and knock you out. But instead, he has this conversation with a guy that has been given the authority to kill him. Check this out. John 18, 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again, and he called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? You guys, just a really quick, important law thing. Any kind of rebellion against Caesar, who they would call the king of kings, like God in the flesh is what they thought their Caesar was. Any kind of rebellion, any kind of setting up a kingdom structure in opposition to him would be met with death. 
And so he asks him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? You guys, it's so cool. Look into this for a second with me. Jesus is like, do you want to know if I'm a king? Is this your idea? Are you looking for a king? Do you think you need one, fella? I mean, there's so many different layers to this, but he just flat out says, is this your idea or is it somebody else's? It's a chance. It's an opportunity. I ask you today, who's your king? You looking for one? Pilate answers him, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? (laughs) He missed that opportunity to say, "I, I think you might be a king. You might be the king. No, it's your people. So Jesus answered him, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. The one servant that decided to fight, Jesus rebuked him. Peter cut off Malchus's ear, a servant of the high priest. The ear's on the ground. Jesus fixes his ear, tells Peter, knock it off. That's not what we're doing. So he goes, if my kingdom was of this world, my people would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. So stop there for a second, friends. Not of the world, not from the world, but someday we'll be here. And it's supposed to actually be lived out here, but it's not of here. So then where is it? Someday in heaven? What do you think? Or it's right here, but it's only in this building. In our hearts. hearts. That's good. The answer, by the way, is everywhere. Just not the way we think. We We get called to repent, change our minds about what it looks like to be in a king, excuse me, be in a kingdom not be the king. We have to to have our minds in heavenly places, not earthly. Because like when we focus on earthly stuff, then we're not looking at the right things to go with us. That's good, Darcy. And you guys wore helmets last last week that said, helmet of salvation. Thinking is saved people. You know, the old phrase goes, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. But to actually be heavenly-minded, to be kingdom-minded, means you're going to be there, here, too. You can't help but be earthly good. People are like, oh, well, she loves God too much to love me. No, 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 she's loving God with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. She's going to love you as she loves herself. He's going to be the kind of man he's supposed to be. So he says this, look, my kingdom is not from the world. He said two different things there, you guys. Not of this world and not from the world. Nobody made me the king. I am the king. Okay? 
And it's not of this world. It's not going to be like this. Remember he said that one time to his disciples? You're not going to be like the world. They lord it over people. You're going to serve instead. That's just a weird way to be a king. And yet, you're supposed to serve. And Jesus said, it's not like this world and it's not from this world. Then Pilate, missing it again entirely, says, so you are a king. (laughs) Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. This is just kind of a weird way of saying, you got it right. You said I'm a king. I am. He wasn't saying he's his king. He's saying he is a king. Now, for this purpose, I was born, and for this purpose, I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. At this point, maybe you're thinking, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, they know me. You might also be thinking that if you hear his voice, you're to do what he says. If you love me, Jesus said, you'll do what I say. To love me is to obey me. To follow me is to know my voice. To know the truth. To walk in it. But Pilate misses this as well. What is truth? Talk about truth. Practice. No, he just says truth. What is it? He's right in front of you, Pilate. After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. He even at one point washes his hands, even though he gives them over to be killed. They're like, we want him to die. You want your king to die? Pilate asked him, oh, we don't have any king except Caesar. They hated Caesar. They would have believed their only king is God. And they're giving this king over to be killed. He doesn't recognize the truth, but he doesn't find them guilty. He's kind of in this weird little spot. And I got to imagine that this morning we've got a few of us that are in that same spot. We don't think He's bad. We don't think he's terrible, but we don't recognize him as the truth. He's just one of many. He's kind of a big deal, but he's not that big a deal. I don't have to give my whole life to him. Don't be weird. Kind of finish this portion before we get into the where is the kingdom, although we've begun doing that a little bit with an answer to that question, where is the kingdom? In Luke 17, so you got this universal reign, rule, to be able to follow him, you need to repent and like think differently like I'm following you even though I don't see everything the way it should be here. I mean, shoot, we live in America and it's been a freedom of religion for a long time and yet we've had lots of different things happening that are trying to squash that and we rebel against that because we want that freedom. And yet, you know where the church, the rule and the reign explodes the most for Jesus' kingdom in this world? 
in nations where they're opposed. In nations where it's against the law to follow Jesus. I'm not saying, all right, I take this back. I'm kind of saying it. We need some persecution. I'm not saying we don't fight for it. I'm not saying we don't take care of people. I'm not saying we don't let the kingdom rule and reign come out in what we do. But the truth is, it's been so easy for people that they've left the king and his kingdom off to the side, maybe on a Sunday. Or when I really need it. We really need it every day. So the Pharisees understood, and they'd have to understand, and they'd have to ask Jesus about the kingdom, and so they did. In Luke 17, 20 and 21, here's how it goes. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, again, they expected it to come immediately, and that the Romans would be completely uh, dominated, eradicated. And they're like, when's the kingdom going to come? You're a, a rabbi. Teach us. And so he answered him, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Huh. Then how do you know it's the kingdom of God? He's like, look, this isn't like some kind of a show. This isn't some kind of a science project that you do all these little steps and then ta-da, here's the kingdom. Nor will people say, look, here's the kingdom, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. There's so many cool things about this. I'll just unpack a couple of them. This idea is that he says it's in the midst of you, and that can mean that it's within you. And that's accurate, except he's talking to people who aren't in the kingdom yet. The Pharisees. They would have known all the things they needed to know, but they would have needed to repent and believe, and they hadn't yet. And so he says to them, it's in the midst of you. It's within you. It's within your grasp. <laughs> Keep coming. It's right here. So I think both of those things are accurate. I think that once you have submitted and surrendered to the authority of Jesus Christ, to the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ, the realm of Jesus Christ is you. It comes out in how you live. But until then, he's just around you. Jesus is the king. But how can you enter the kingdom if you reject the king? This is already not yet Remember that phrase, right? It's already happening, and it's not yet entirely happening. He's coming back a second time. We call that the second coming of Christ. We call that when he comes back on the, the stallion like we sang all country twangy today. <laughs> Folk. <laughs> nice, bro. But he comes back that second time and that's when every knee bows and every tongue confesses he's the Lord, he's the king. Hallelujah. But we get a head start now as his people. So it's already happening and it's not yet. His rule and his reign where there's no problems here, not happening yet. Not yet. 
So where is the kingdom of God, you guys? Everywhere. Good. What else? Say it again. Amongst us. In us. It's in the Lord's Prayer of Matthew 6, 19. Tell me about that a little bit. Say the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 19 through, what did you say? 6, 9 through 13. So it's just how that looks. Mm. Amen. Sweet. You know what you're talking about in that? By the way, great job. We'll be getting after that in July. But <laughs> you're totally right. It's his rule and his reign. It's where he's the king. And that can only start right here. And then it comes out. So he gave a bunch of parables in Matthew 13 about the kingdom. I'm only going to read a couple. I'm going to give you kind of some bonus stuff in the Live It Out video that you guys can go and check. But join me here as we finish up. In Matthew 13, 31 through 33, we know that his rule and his reign is everywhere. And yet it's not in some people, but it's totally inside of his people. And you have to actually acknowledge the king to be in his kingdom. And that's called repentance. And so we believe and we follow him. And that's his rule and his reign being lived out. And we start seeing people be transformed in ways that they could only be transformed by the king of kings. Who showed that he was a king by laying down his life, for goodness sake. I love this. In Matthew 13, 31, he put another parable before them. He'd already given them the parable of the sower and the weeds and the wheat and how they look very similar. But it gives them a couple of other ones. Here's the first one. The kingdom of heaven. Remember, this is Matthew, so he doesn't say kingdom of God. It's the same thing. They literally are synonymous. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree or a big shrub so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Well, if you know this about birds, but they actually can eat seeds. There's this really cool picture that's going on here. The kingdom starts tiny with people, but it grows. Philippians 1.6, Paul says, God is faithful that he will complete the work that he began in you. Until the day of Christ Jesus, until the rule and the reign is everywhere all the time, unchallenged, undefeatable, which is already undefeatable, but some people could say no where he says repent and believe but he's like it's going to start small it's going to be almost like you submit to Jesus in a prayer and then you start living it out and you start growing and you start understanding things and you start forgiving people and you start loving and you start recognizing oh gosh the way I drive is included in this whole kingdom thing (laughs) oh wait a minute the way I treat my parents is included in this kingdom thing The way I forgive my dad is included in this 
kingdom thing. Oh my goodness, I can actually be the kind of man, woman, child that God wants me to be? That's included in this kingdom thing. I get to be his guy. I get to be his girl. I get to be his child. I get to grow. Some people take this because Jesus didn't explain this parable, and they go a lot of different directions. False growth. It gets big. Those birds are like demons. I'm like, what? Maybe. But I believe that what Jesus says we should go ahead and take right here at face value, start small, gets big. Anybody got an amen for that in their own life? Anybody start small in their faith and their understanding, but they know more now and then they recognize, I still don't know much. (laughs) Me too. And so he says it in another way. He told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour. Just a little bit of leaven goes a long way. You put a little bit in and it expands to the whole thing. This is what the kingdom's like. This is the only time in the Bible where leaven gets a positive connotation. The rest of it is like sin. You know, like a little bit goes a long way there too. But there's a positive side. You've got the kingdom, his rule and his reign. You're God, I'm not. What does that look like? I'll show you. Walk with me. Grow, go into fellowship, go into the word. Yes, paint some shoes and put the gospel piece on it, wear a belt. That's great. All these things, like in a small group, beautiful, wonderful, but it's actually living it out as well. Not just talking about it. What does the Greek say about this? What are you going to do about it? You're a kingdom person. And he's the king, and you're not, so you do what he says. And we'll finish with one of the things that he said that's a little further away from the Lord's Prayer, but it's still in the same chapter. Matthew 6, 33. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You'll have all that you need because you got him first. So how are we going to move towards Jesus today? The Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and I don't need to do his job. I can't. There is no fourth member of the Trinity. It would be quadrinity. I don't know, but it would be more than, it would be the quad, the God quad. Oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> but I'm... I'm part of the, they're in me and through me, but I am not God, right? I just want to be really clear that I don't think that God would have way better hair than this. <laughs> He's got my back. The kingdom of God has several aspects. He's the sovereign of the universe. And so in that sense, his kingdom's universal. But by repentance and belief, he comes and rules inside of you and me. And so it's very, very personal in your heart and in your life. So for some of you, you need to just flat out surrender to King Jesus. You've been running the show, and if you haven't run it into the ground yet, it's coming. Well, that's just really negative, and it's super practical. 
Some of you have already done that, and you're just really impatient with the growth in yourself or impatient in the growth of your loved ones or your friends or your church, the Church of America, me. You're just like super impatient. Help it grow. Be patient. Oh, that's, that's probably the mustard seed moment right here. Okay. So how do we grow? Invite people. Share it. How do you move towards Jesus? You share him and his kingdom, his rule and his reign in your life. Hey, this is what happened. I was reading in the Bible. Hey, this is what happened. I was driving and I was thinking of something and all of a sudden I knew that I needed to call so-and-so and talk to them. And so I wanted to share that with you. God's kingdom and his rule and his reign and what it looks like in your life. Some of you, that's the big step of moving closer to Jesus is that you're unashamed about talking about his rule and his reign in your life. Maybe you start with a question like this. Hey, friend, who's the leader of your life? And if they say Jesus, say, sweet, show me what that looks like. Tell me about that. If they say, I don't, I don't know, I don't really follow anybody. Yeah, they do. One of my fathers in the faith, Jan Hedinga, wrote a book, and it's called Follow Me. And he says, show me who the leader of your life is, and I can tell you a lot about who you are, even if that leader is you, which is what most of us prefer. It was in his church that I came to Christ and understood that he's God and I'm not, and he's way better at leading than I am. So maybe share your story with people. Ask your friends. Ask your coworkers. Oh, we can't talk about that. I'm a public school teacher. With an adult, you can. And if the kids say, hey, what do you do on the weekends? I'm so glad you asked. Part of my weekend is spent going to church. You just sit there and listen. Yeah, sometimes I get a good nap, but sometimes it's real good. <laughs> Welcome back, Shannon. <laughs> but you, I do too, so much. But tell, tell people about what you're learning. Tell people about who the king is and ask them, how's it going for you in following the leader you're following? Because I got a king who died to bring you into the kingdom. And he wants you. And he loves you. He forgives you. And it may start out small, but it doesn't stay that way. Continues to grow. A friend of mine who used to pray for me all the time. And he came up to me one time after church when we were in the school. And he said, Pastor Aaron... I believe in the power of prayer. I'm like, hallelujah, tell me about that, Frank. He goes, well, I pray that you get better at preaching and it's happening. <laughs> I got a long ways to go, so do you. But we got a king who lives inside of us. His rule and his reign is in us and we cannot be hidden. So don't hide it. Let's pray. Father, today's your day. I rejoice in that fact. I'm glad in that fact. Thank you for being a dad. Thank you so much for loving us who have lost dads. Thank you for my own father choosing me and adopting me at the age of seven. I'm super thankful for that. I'm really grateful, Lord, that you have provided the kingdom for us.
right here in our midst. And for those of us who know you, may we not try to keep it to ourselves. For those of us who know you, may we continue to be patient with ourselves and others, but keep growing and keep putting ourselves in a spot where the king can be seen in and through our lives. Would you protect us from the enemy who hates us and wants to come and snatch away all of this? God, whoever has not submitted to you, I pray that they do and will. Maybe it won't be in this room. Maybe it's on their way home. Maybe it's at work tomorrow. Maybe it's on the phone with somebody. Maybe they hear a song. I don't know what it would be, but I know that you're calling people to your kingdom. So may they bow down to you and believe you and trust you. May we all do that. In Jesus' name, amen.